This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. A packed, loaded, golazo weekend recap. I got Heath Pierce here to discuss. Arsenal, what's your vision? Neymar, are you ever going to learn? Man City, can anyone stop them? Inter Milan doing their thing. Bayern Munich win without Lewandowski. Manchester United win too. There is so much to talk about. Sevilla beat Atletico. Heath Pierce, Kegolasso weekend recap begins right now. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gego Lasso Weekend Recap. And it's always good to have a weekend recap after the international break. I feel like we've been reborn. Oh, funny that. Happy Easter, everybody. I didn't even think of that one. Hey, Heath Pierce, how are you? I, I, that was either super good and just <laughs> on the fly, which means you're in the wrong industry. You should be on a stage somewhere just like doing some crowd work or... You've been working. You've been working through that one the whole weekend, but it, it came out natural, so that's great. I'm I'm doing better now that you had that opening. I'm honest. I swear to you, I did not even think about it until I said it. So I'm gonna pat myself on the back, and I'll take that compliment, Heath. Um, Heath Pierce, uh, good to have you. Uh, hey, everybody, welcome to our weekend recap after the international break. We have a lot to talk about. So much across Europe, everything that went on this weekend, of course. But we begin, as always, Heath Beers in the Premier League. And I'm sorry to say, Heath Beers, that we have to begin with Arsenal losing 3 nothing to Liverpool. And there's no shame in losing to Liverpool. But Heath, sometimes, and this was a question I, I pondered, and, and we'll talk about the game in a second, but, you know, Liverpool, very good looking uh, more dynamic. You know, Mikel Arteta a few weeks ago said, you know, Arsenal still not the vision that I have for them. And I agree, but sometimes I'm like, what vision is that? Uh, thoughts on that game as Arsenal lose to Liverpool? Yeah, I mean, when I first saw the lineups, I was I was actually really excited. I was like, oh, they're going to roll out an attacking lineup against a, uh, a a very good Liverpool team, right? Like, they're going to throw out some attack. They had they had Alba, they had Lacazette, they had Pepe, they had uh, Odegaard in the squad. And I was like, okay, this is good. But that team uh, and the team around them were putting out around like 30% uh, possession up until the first goal. They weren't completing passes. They weren't beating anyone on the dribble, which was a little bit disappointing. Um, but it, it was one of those games where you saw that the issue with Liverpool wasn't ever the attack. Yeah, they had some injuries to deal with and stuff. But, you know, most of us still top of the table in terms of the golden boot race and after five games not scoring. And Diego Jota, that, it's funny how, how long ago that was that I was thinking actually before this game, because he scored against Wolves, I was like, man, remember like six months ago when we were talking about just the 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 wealth of attack, like of options that, that Liverpool had and like, oh man, they were just going to, like I had already programmed at the start of the season for them to sweep the Premier League again, right? And we were talking about two, three, maybe four seasons in the way that we uh, saw City 
on, on their run. And uh, I was reminded of that again today of just how good and how deep they are in the attack and how many quality players they have, but they were just, yeah, they were just so much better uh, than, than Arsenal in so many ways. And I know that Mikel Arteta is talking a lot about, you know, this isn't a complete vision. I just look at that squad and I continue to go, and I'm I, I, I'm going to be honest with you, Louise. I'm not even deep on the inside of Arsenal anymore. But I look at Arsenal when I look at like I look at any other team, and I go, yeah, maybe they win on the weekend, maybe they don't. Like at no point do I think this is a team that's going to win. Right. And if they lose, it's a failure. It's like they go into every game hoping to win, and they do have better than average quality in the league. They have better than mid-table quality in the league. But across the board, you go, well, the project is not going to go any further until they start adding top quality players that are quote unquote Arsenal quality of uh, the Arsenal of old. Yeah. The, the, um, and well said, uh, the, the, the thing that I keep reading everywhere is uh, from Arsenal fans is they're just so tired of feeling just average, you know, it's, you know, this is a team, a very proud club that's done a lot in the past. Obviously the invincibles is a major part of it, but you know, champions league football, Europa league football. I mean, they're, they're, they're doing some things right now. It's just that I find hard to understand their identity sometimes. And they really gave not much in, in this game. And I'm wondering how that is, especially after a long break. It, it makes me wonder about, you know, granted, I think that, Sometimes it clicks, uh, especially when Ceballos and Odegaard are doing their thing, et cetera. But it just didn't look like that. And, I, you know, Arsenal find themselves in 10th place, everybody. I mean, it's April. It's April. And we're talking about Arsenal in 10th place. Already lost 12 games, right? Uh, they've only won 12, 42 points, uh, and two points behind Villa. And, they, and Arsenal have a game extra. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. And I don't want to make this a whole Arsenal episode, but they're 10th. They're 10th, even on points with Leeds United. That's the thing is like, it's, it's this time of the year where every week we are saying the same thing about Arsenal, right? They win, they go, have we seen it? They lose, they go, that, this is what I mean with the fans, right? We win, they go, Arsenal might be rounding into form. They might, this, you know, Odegaard has been such a great addition to the team. And then and then a week like this happens. And again, you can't write off Liverpool. It's not, a, it's not a walk in the park. That's a hard game to win for sure. But then you look at it and you go, just like all the other fans do, and they go, man, we are, we are bang average, like as average as you can get. And, and that's frustrating. And every week that goes by, you realize, okay, Arsenal's only chance now is Europa League, right? Like that's really where they're going to get in Champions League uh, next year or, or, or see European football next year is, is through the Europa League. But they've still got to get past uh, Manchester United uh, if, if, if they want to win or potentially Manchester United and potentially Roma. There's some good teams left in the Europa League. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's not looking good for them. And I will say, though, that when you look at the and, – and then we can move off this because it's not worth that much time. Um, <laughs> you know, it's – Odegaard is one that I think brings a lot of stability that the club hasn't had. When, when Mesodozo was at his best, sure, you know, pulling the strings, that – but. There is such a, a um, simplicity and consistency to his game that it's predictable. The game is predictable. In the same way that you look – I'm not putting him in the same stage as uh, Kevin De Bruyne, but when you look at Kevin De Bruyne, you almost always know what you're going to get from him. When there is a good pass that's on, he knows where that pass is. 
when there is a combination play, he knows what the com combination is, right? He doesn't have the quality of Kevin De Bruyne, but he just makes the game more predictable for the team and more consistent going forward. And, and I think that is truly a step in the right direction if they can keep him, um, it, you know, towards this project. But otherwise, it's still sort of hit or miss, hit or miss, hit or miss. Yeah, uh, nothing much more to be said about that. But if you're an Arsenal fan, I hate saying this, but I welcome your comments, everybody. Uh, Kego Lasso Pod, uh, you know, Heath Pierce, LMH Chegaray on Twitter. Send us what you think. All right, let's keep going here in the Premier League. Uh, Sunday, uh, Mason Greenwood uh, and Marcus Rashford uh, came back from behind to beat Brighton. Um, a good win for them there, Manchester United. Sunday also happened, Newcastle held. Tottenham, um, Heath Beers, uh, two all. Harry Kane got two goals. Uh, it was an important uh, point for Newcastle, especially since Aston Villa uh, beat, came back from behind to beat Fulham as well. But going back on the Tottenham thing, uh, Mourinho after the game was like, you know, asked about, you know, the, the result, especially as, as they were leading actually 2-1. And he said, you know, and I'll do it in Mourinho voice. You know, in the past holding onto a lead is what you've been so good at doing. Now, the operative word here is you've, I think. Forget about the actual argument about holding onto leads. What we know Tottenham can be very spursy. Good voice, by the way. Good, good accent. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to roll today. Um, you've, Heath, is the part that's like, why are you talking about Tottenham like it's somebody else's team? That's what's really worrying to me. Uh, it's kind of like throwing them under the bus. Yeah, look, people got excited about this constant uh, mind games that he played with the media, with his team, with his players in the past. But those, that's always led to something, right? It's led to something or it's during something great that's happening and, and, and therefore he was deemed the special one. But right now, you're not seeing all that. And so it's one of those things where you start to analyze these, these, these comments where you're separating the players, you're isolating the players, you're almost polarizing the players and it's not working and it's too late for it to start working. Right. I think there's still a couple points out of, uh, out of, out of um, Europe and, and still have an opportunity, but it's, yeah, it's not, it's, I look at the timing and I wonder, you know, if I was, if I was in those situations, for example, if I was taking that, that would be hard for me to constantly deal with on a weekend week. Out. I never played at a, at a Spurs. I never played in the top. I never played for a top manager, but um, yeah, it's just when things aren't going well, it seems like he's always playing the reverse psychology of things. You know, he's never really in line with like, oh, the team is, you know, we're, we're struggling, but like, it's my fault. I should put out a different team or it's on me to organize the squad differently or make different changes to make sure we see out results. Uh, when you start to separate yourself from that group, uh, sure, maybe that's, a, maybe it motivates him and, and they, and they win the rest of the season or maybe the exact opposite happens. Uh, and with the Spurs squad, they're not Chelsea. They weren't built to do the, what they're, they're expected to do right now. They weren't built like that. Um, and so, you know, part of me thinks like this could backfire, uh, quicker than it would, uh, could become a, a, a motivator. Yeah. Yeah. I just, you know, and today was a very, you know, uh, you know, it, it was a very good opportunity for Tottenham to, cause Chelsea, we'll talk about them in a second, losing five, two to West Brom, you know, in fourth place, 51 points, Tottenham had a really good opportunity to keep on going up and, you know, narrowing that margin. But because of that point, it leaves them in 49. Uh, you know, and they could have been even on points, I believe. So, you know, against, you know, against the side that's trying to stay in this table. And, and now we move to Chelsea, 
I mean, I know this was the opening game to the weekend in the Premier League. I was like, what a way to be like, hey, welcome back to the Premier League. If you think you know something, my God, Heath, uh, uh, unbelievable. Uh, five two. Sam Allardyce, by the way, did kind of the same thing with Crystal Palace. After the international break, he kind of just got everybody going. Listen, the Thiago Silva red card didn't help, of course. But we're talking about West Brom here. All right. We're not talking about a top four team with all due respect. Massive credit to West Brom for winning that. I'm just saying that, you know, you're not a Liverpool, you're not a Leicester City, etc. You know, and you win 5-2 against a side that was doing so well defensively before that, and their two-hole. Uh, unbelievable. I mean, Pulisic uh, opened the scoring. He comes off at halftime, and I want to get your thoughts on that in a second because apparently his hamstring was like basically like, apparently he told two-hole, like, look, it's, it's not going to last all game. So that's another problem, but... West Brom went to town in the uh, Pereira got two quick goals right before the break. And then boom, they just kept going. Amazing. Yeah. It's, it's uh, full credit to them. I, and by the way, I didn't even look to see what that, what the implications were for that win for West Brom. What, 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 what did that do for them points wise and where they're at in the table? Well, I the mean, 19th. So. Yeah. I mean, from, for, for them, you know, it helps them because Fulham lost a Newcastle Drew, so that West Brom, obviously Sheffield United is done, 14. Mm -hmm. They lost to Leeds. Uh, West Brom are 19th with 21 points, five points behind Fulham, who have 26 points and 18th. Five points, five points. And then Newcastle getting that point, they are in 29 with 17. Brighton also lost to Manchester United, 32. So, you know, you keep getting these wins and things go your way. And, you know, you've got, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, eight games left. Yeah. Still a lot of points remaining. So, anyway, it was a big yeah. win for, 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 for West Brom. Who, who knows is what I'm saying. Yeah, that's, that's, that's fair. So, I, with, with regard to Chelsea, yeah, the Thiago Silva red card hurts. Then you lose Ziyech uh, to put in Andreas Christensen to, to come in and sort of shore up the back line. And then it all just goes, goes falls apart, right? And... It's just uncharacteristic, but again, it's one of those things where a red card, you give up a goal or two, and then it just rains goals. The team just all of a sudden, you know, it's, it's funny because in any team that I played on, you regularly train, right? 30 minutes, sometimes 40 minutes, um, uh, 5v7 attacking against five or 8v6 where they are bombing numbers at you, right? Up the flanks, up the middle. And the whole idea is to like sit in your blocks and be compact and force it wide and make big plays. And then you see so often that teams can't close out when, when, when or, or handle that over a longer period of time when they lose a, lose a man, right? You do this in training all the time. You're, you're playing down or you're playing with a neutral or whatever it is. You're, you're constantly creating these situations where you have to, uh, make decisions in real time. And obviously training is not the same as a game, but you work on that over and over again. So it's a, it's a little bit, uh, it's a shame to see them fall apart like that after the, this kind of run that they had. With regard to Pulisic, I'm torn on this, right? I, I think sometime, there, there's a maturity in pulling himself out because if, if it is actually something, right? If it's in his head, then you'll go, okay, no, this is not a good situation because this is going to happen over and over and over again. On the flip side, I remember times in my career where I felt a little something in the beginning, right? And maybe, and most of the times it was after a previous injury or after something where you start to wonder, like, do I have trust issues with, does the coach have trust issues? Does the medical staff have trust issues with me? Do they not think that I'm really injured? Because a lot of injuries are, are 
can be arbitrary where they go and they go, oh, you did a scan. It looks fine now. You're good to go. But that doesn't mean you feel fine, right? It doesn't mean that you don't feel scar tissue built up in there or you don't have it in your head where you got to get over it. And so all those kinds of factors lead people to be their own worst enemy more often than not, where you go, you know, I remember playing uh, in, in, a, in an MLS game with the Portland, against the Portland Timbers. First few minutes, I felt my hamstring. I played the rest of the game. And then it ended up putting me out for like a month instead of being like, well, that was the sign I should have gone. And I was so, too stubborn. I didn't want anybody to think that I was injured and think that I was pulling myself out. Cause it's, you know, no one wants to come out in the first few minutes of a game. So and it's a tricky time. injury too. It's a tricky yeah. injury because you don't know what's, you know, what's going to, the repercussions, as you said. Yeah. And, and again, muscular injuries are tough. Uh, one, because as soon as you, you tear it the first time, it, it becomes more susceptible to, to tearing it in the future. Um, there's also scar tissue in there that can uh, rip or, or grab or, or tear or whatever that's, that's covering the, the, the fully healed wound. Um, and then there's the mental side. So it's hard. I think, I think when you look at it, you go, man, Pulisic coming back, worked good minutes in the international break, now back in the starting lineup, scores a goal. You know, he was, he, 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 he was showing glimpses of old Pulisic in, in the international break, scores. You're like, this is exactly what you want as a U.S. fan. And you take him off at halftime, you're like, oh, no is this going to be something that we have to deal with forever? Like, is he, is he, is he our, at least for the U S team or for Chelsea, is he their Neymar in, in terms of like, not the quality, but the constantly on the edge of an injury or, or, or every team having to look at him and go, you know, we're probably going to have to give up four to six weeks a year on this guy. Uh, but when he's on, he's great, but we're going to lose him for four to six on injuries, whether, whether actual injuries or, or otherwise. And I think, you know, that's, that, I, I guess I'm playing both sides of the coin here, but it, it, it's hard to say. I just, there were times in my career that I wish that like, oh yeah, I would have listened to my body and been like, who cares what anybody else thinks? Don't be insecure. Like take yourself out if you have to. And then, and then, you know, preserve yourself as opposed to like doubling down and then really being out for a long time. Yeah. It's a trick is, I mean, the, I think the answer to your question before, I think it is going to, at this moment, it seems that that's just going to be something that every Chelsea fan and American USMNT fan just it's going to have to deal with. I think politics, just injury ridden. You don't want that on any player, but you know, that's just what it is. And hopefully it can be rectified in the future. But you know, when you're so in demand, not just club wise, but internationally, it's going to be even more of a problem. Um, All right, let's keep going here. Uh, Just to wrap everything up in the premier league, Man City, we have to talk about Man City very quickly. They did their thing against Leicester City. I thought actually Leicester would get a goal. In this one, I knew the city would win, uh, obviously, but they didn't do nothing. They looked pretty comfortable. In fact, they rotated. Cancelo didn't start. He didn't even play, actually. Gundogan as well. He wasn't needed. Uh, it was a sort of, uh, in a way, a weird uh, testimonial for Sergio Aguero. He started. Uh, he came off early, uh, later on against, uh, for Raheem Sterling, but it's just Man City. You know, just a, a good warm-up ahead of Borussia Dortmund, Heath. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 crazy how fast they're cruising to this title and not again, not to spend too much time. Cause we've, we've talked about this a million times already uh, in the last month or two on, on man city. But when you look at just the professionalism of their approach to every game, you just, from the very beginning, you're like, it would take a lot more than just uh, a, an individual error, or it would take an absolute disaster for them to lose these games because they're in control they have the quality of players and they just keep on going and there's no dip in form. There's no like one guy out, one guy in, you know, three guys out, three guys in. It's just this consistent machine 
um, that that's really impressive to watch. And then you add the, the world's class quality of a uh, Kevin De Bruyne, who, you know, kind of set up both goals uh, in a way. It, you're just like, man, it's, you know, you are they the best back. team in the world? Yes. Yeah. By I, a lot. You see that uncomfortable it. silence? That's he thinking mm, Bayern, maybe. Yeah, I, I just, I mean, again, it's hard to rule out Bayern, but with no Lewandowski for the next month or so, then yeah, by far, there's not even a comparison. Even though Bayern, you know, won won this weekend against Leipzig, yeah, they're 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 by far. Um, but that's not the first time we thought that about City, and we expect him to roll over and win every single trophy, and they still struggle with the the old Champions League one. So I think well, they, they win this. Yep. Yeah. So so. Yeah, I think we can only judge this team on if they win the Champions League this year. You know, they were, I, I, I don't know if it was, I think they were talking about it on the, on the broadcast where they're like, well, what's the sign of success? Is it two trophies? Is it three? And I'm like, it's got to be the league and the Champions League with this team. You know, it can't be, they are so much deeper, so much better, so much uh, richer than everyone that you, I think that is, it is again a situation where you look at the form that they're in. Uh, they're not falling out of form. They're in peak, peak form, right? Yeah, they've, they're not on the streak anymore, but they're in peak, peak form. They have their players. So if they can't do that, then I don't think you can put them in the category of some of these other great teams in, in the history, like Real Madrid's and whatever. Yeah, listen, the only thing that I'll add is that what, what's amazing about Man City that no other team has, I think, um, definitely in, in recent years and definitely now, is that Bayern is amazing. We know that. You take out Lewandowski and then you start thinking, oh, what, what could happen? Obviously, we're going to talk about the Bundesliga. They beat RB Leipzig. That's fine. But still, with Lewandowski, obviously, they're clearly uh, a better team. Man City, uh, listen, uh, Kevin De Bruyne is incredible. But you the take striker, him out. By the way, the, the striker is the least. Yeah, the striker is the least important position exactly, on this team. Exactly. Exactly. So to me, Man City is this kind of team that's like, it doesn't matter who's in there. Just follow the philosophy because they're, it's a $350 million bench. Like they're, they're good. But to your point, still got to win the Champions League. Yep. Um, all right. Before we take a break, one quick question from our friend, Tim Weiss, who uh, a Villa fan, by the way, uh, up the Villa, Tim. He's like, what's with uh, Aubameyang's hair? Well, it, it's, he did it, you know, international duty. Uh, I think it's a Travis Scott thing. Um, he was inspired by Travis Scott. I dig it. I mean, listen, we can ask uh, our friend Tosin McKinley from social about it because uh, uh, I think he tweeted about it, but I don't know. It's kind of cool. What do you think about it? They did make the Travis Scott. I don't know who, I don't remember who made the video or what locker room uh, he was popping in to say hi on. It may have been his own, but he showed up and they were like, Travis Scott coming by. Uh, thanks for stopping <laughs> by, Travis Scott. Uh, yeah. It, I, I'll tell look, you one I, thing. I know more about uh, what Abamia plans for his hair than I do what Arteta plans for Arsenal. Yeah, you know what's funny is when I was when I was 20, right? That's when I started my career uh in 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 Denmark. And I remember the agent that I had at the time was like, "Hey, um he had this guy named uh Mohamed Zidane was his name. And he was the top scorer in Denmark and he was a little bit on the crazy side. So he's like, "Look, man, my contacts are in Germany. I'm going to get you to the Bundesliga, okay?" but I need you to chill out with the whole hair thing. You know, I, I, I was growing long hair. I was doing all kinds of different crazy things. He's like, look, you freak the, you freak the Germans out if you do stuff. And so thinking about this and a club like Dortmund and they're like this, you know, in Obama Yang where you're, you're like, you know, this guy's got diamonds on his shoes. He's driving the craziest cars that freaks people out. But when you score, 
it's all good. No one would even notice this if he was scoring the way he was scoring last year. They'd be like, let him do whatever he wants. But then soon as as soon as you're not in that peak form anymore, people start to notice everything. People notice when you change your shoelace color yeah. uh, when you're not in peak form. But yeah, yeah I'll, I'll roll with it. Why not? Yeah, well, listen, that's why Carlos Valderrama will always get props because he, he just delivered every time. Uh, but well said. Absolutely right. Um, all right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, the rest of Europe including we try and ask the question, will Neymar ever learn? I think we know the answer to that. We'll be right back. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Heath Pierce, I got a question for you. Do you like golf? I feel like I'm being uh, pinned into the corner on this one. You know, like this is uh, like you judge me no matter what my answer is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I watch them. I watch the masters. That's it. Like that's what that. But I don't know if that qualifies me as loving, but whatever. The, the Masters is exactly what I was looking for, my friend. It's a week unlike another, and it's finally here. The Masters returns to Augusta National, where Dustin Johnson will defend his green jacket. Go join the First Cut Golf podcast, where the entire crew is previewing this year's tournament, from storylines to picks and even daily fantasy advice. Daily golf fantasy advice, Heath. I feel like you could get into that one. The First Cut has you covered, my friend. What do you think about that? It's the First Cut Golf Podcast. It's available wherever you're listening, wherever you listen to your pods. What do you think about that? I, I'd i be... I'd be down to, to be convinced, uh, into the fantasy world. Like, I feel like there, if, if, if you could convince me into that, that could increase my, my love for the, uh, for the sport. But, uh, yeah, I look, I'm, 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 you know, convince me, convince me. And I'll, well, I, if, if it requires me to have a fantasy team to, to, to love golf, then I'm not quite there yet, but you know, I'm willing to be talked into it. Well, listen to the guys on the first cut. That's the way to do it. And the masters is coming up on CBS. Welcome back, everybody, to Kegolasso Weekend Recap. Heath Pierce in the house one day. I think I just want to do one episode, Heath, about all your different hairstyles. Maybe we can we, we can sell it, promote it to somebody. I don't know. We can make it happen, maybe. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, the, the funny thing is, as, a, as a, a guy who's a designer, this Venezuelan guy named Daniel Estudillo, he one time sent me this poster, and it had all my haircuts on it. And I was like, oh, 
Uh, that's a lot of haircuts <laughs> to the point where I had like, I pretty much followed David Beckham's whole thing, but like years behind where it was like, you know, I had the cornrows once it became sort of problematic and shouldn't have cornrows anymore. And I had all these different, uh, haircuts and my, my, you know, I, and so, and, and the other thing uh, by that, by the way, before we jump off that they have those, the match checkers, right. When you have Opta and these things. And apparently I was one of the most hated there because you assign um, characteristics, physical characteristics for them to track your stats, right? So you're, you're tracking a whole team, you're tracking 11 players on the field. And so uh, Luis wears a, a wristband that is uh, blue. Therefore, you know, I know that when he has the ball and I'm watching in real time, I can track stats on the guy with the blue wristband. Gotcha. Whereas I, so I would have a mustache and then a beard, and then I would have short hair, shaved head, long hair. And apparently that pissed some people off along the way because I ended up having a few colleagues that had to, to track me in games. And they're like, you were the worst. You were the worst because you didn't have the consistent thing. You always like, changed it. Yeah, yeah. Like ankle tape or shin tape, or you wear bright boots or whatever it was like, you didn't have that same thing. And so, you know, I apologize to those people, but I'm just, you know, trying to, Keep life interesting. No, man, that's what you do, man. You keep life interesting. By the way, shout out to Allison's mustache. Uh, serious Magnum PI vibes. Uh, I thought he was, he looked good, right? Yeah, as a as a, a frequenter of the mustache, you know, I feel that the broadcasters are making too big of a deal for us in the mustache world, you know? I respect it. It was an unbelievable mustache, you know? They, uh, they don't they say anything about- they criticized it? No, they just keep bringing it up, man. Like I, I feel like the mustache. Just leave him alone. He's he looks good. We don't need to laugh about it. It's not a it's not a joke. This is a oh, guy yeah. that's I just demanding. Laugh, like, to me, he looked good, man. It was Tom Selleck Magnum PI style. Like I I loved it. Uh, it was it was thick. It was really. It's a thick mustache. It's a real real. Like it's not like a Sasha question like little hair over the lip type of thing. <laughs> this was like a full blown like he went from being like goalkeeper to being like team dad which yeah. i can get behind yeah he's a good looking dude too so it definitely worked for him um all right let's move on here europe uh very quickly la liga we gotta begin uh sadly with this by the way just very quickly uh obviously we don't want to be too quickly on everything but there's so much to cover but in case you didn't know valencia and cadiz uh played today uh cadiz one two one but that's not really the news the news was that in the first half uh, Valencia defender uh, Mukhtar Diakabi, uh, French defender, had to, you know, he was distraught. He wanted to leave because he was allegedly, uh, he, he was, uh, he, he had heard uh, allegedly a racist remark from Juan Cala from Cadiz. He was so distraught. Uh, the ref claimed he didn't hear it. Juan Cala denies it. Um, he was, Juan Cala, to, to be fair, he was also like, you know, in shock as well, but apparently he denies it. The players walked off the pitch. And you're thinking, well, that's good. It's a stance against racism. And you have to believe the victim. You have to understand where he's coming from in this situation. And uh, they did walk off. But then apparently the official told Valencia that if they didn't return, game will be forfeited. You have to forfeit it. And obviously that will be a punishment, uh, points reductions and, and everything else. And apparently the Akabi had no choice. And just be like, well, I mean, you're going to do what you're going to do. I understand. I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to make him make the decision. He couldn't do that. He was already distraught. So the players came back out and played and it was just like ridiculous. Diakabi, the victim, didn't even play. He was too distraught on the bench, just like looking. Uh, and, and, you know, the game came on. Cadiz wins. Not that it matters at this point, but it's just a terrible scenario once again, Heath, where, you know, what, what's happening here? And by the way, just before you answer, last season, the referee suspended. And by the way, follow our friend Colin Miller on Twitter. He, he wrote a very important, very good thread on this. 
very good uh, thread on this. But uh, last season, the ref suspended uh, Rayo Vallecano against Albacete, like suspended because Arroyo fans were calling uh, Roman Susulia a neo-Nazi. So like the game was suspended. So, you know, and that was the first and only time when, when that happened, uh, you know, governed by Spanish football authorities. Uh, you know, so it's worth remembering that, taking in mind that this was just a mess, you know, just an absolute mess. I'm not, I'm not here pointing fingers at Juanca. That's not what I'm doing. I'm saying, you have to believe the victim and you have to understand how destroyed he was and just his face and everything that happened. And, and the, indeed, if there was a racist incident and you're walking off the pitch, you're standing by your player, no matter what. It, you're going to reduce point. Like, I'm sorry. I don't care. And that didn't happen. Yeah. I just, I just recently did a, a, I had to redo my certificate for my coaching license. And part of it was about this, like, physical abuse and how to report right of like uh of, it could be verbal in this context let's say verbal and it talks about the fact that like it is not you as a coach or you as a person in power the referee in this case to decide whether or not it's real to decide whether or not let me hear the other side it is not your place to do that there should be a protocol in place as to when this happens and what this happens how it is addressed right one out of a million is maybe a false call. There is no player on the field that's looking to cause this type of situation. Maybe there, 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 there. It could be contexts or, or or situations in the past where it wasn't what they thought, or something was misheard or said or whatever. But in most cases, um, it's it, it, there should be a protocol in place to where the players and the team, now distraught, don't have to face a forfeit. And if they do, they should be heroed, and the league should say, you know what, we're gonna make them replay this again. I don't care what it was. I don't care what was said in real time. I don't care whatever. I don't care that it's COVID or that these uh, situations are happening or we don't have the, the calendar to be able to make up for this. There should be a way to fix this. And it shouldn't be on the, the victim. It shouldn't be on the victim's team to have to figure this out in real time and go, none of us feel like playing. We've lost motivation. We've walked off. We've made a stand. But what are we standing for? If now we're being threatened to forfeit, we got to go back on and play. And if it's not the players, then it should be the coach. And if it's not the coach, it should be the sporting director. And if it's not the sporting director, it should be somebody. It, it should that should fly up the the chain and back down again to where they go. No, yeah. we're not playing this. That's no. that's that's my take. Well, absolutely, well said. I totally agree, and I concur. I, I culture has to change, and in order for that to change, it can't just be the victim, and then you believing him or her, and then suddenly, you know, going back to square one. We need to understand the true meaning of allyship. That's my point. Uh, so hopefully things will improve, but this year has not been good. I mean, we saw the PSG Vasek Shear situation. Uh, there were a few already this year, uh, you know, and now obviously Cadiz Valencia. But anyway, uh, sticking in La Liga and, uh, you know, moving on to some results here. Atletico lost Heath Pierce to Sevilla. One nothing. This included, by the way, a penalty stop from Oblak. Um, I Liga, as they say, because this is now very, very big. Real Madrid uh, did win uh, as well. And Barcelona, by the way, they play tomorrow. Yep, against Valladolid. So you got Atletico Madrid losing to Sevilla, 66 points. Real Madrid, 63 points. Barcelona with a game in hand, which is tomorrow, 62 points. So if they win that game, they're two points behind Atletico Madrid. And guess what? They're facing each other later in May. So Atletico, once again, they're out of the Champions League and now 
things are falling apart a little bit. But well done to Sevilla, who stick to fourth place. Obviously, 58 points. Huge. Yeah, I, I don't know if, if I read it wrong or something, but when I was looking at the lineups, it, it looked like Atletico only dressed 17 players today. I don't know if they're resting guys, you know, like um, I could be, I could be, I could have just completely seen it wrong, but. Um, no, I'm checking. That's true. That, that is what happened. Joao Felix wasn't on the bench. Um, and yeah, I mean, look, I'm not going to make excuses for yeah, them. Six players on the final. bench. Uh, they, he used all three. Condoglia came on, Angel Correa, Hector Herrera, but they only used six subs. Yeah, and and they are on the on the verge of letting a whole season go without trophies. Because of all teams that I want in this situation, in this fight, I'm going with a team that's got Messi on it, right? In this situation. Uh, you know that Messi might drop points one or two more times this year, but if you're going to give them this kind of sniff, they're going to be within one point if they, in, this, in this game that they play tomorrow. Like, that's a dangerous situation. And then you have Real Madrid that are just three points behind you as well, level on, on matches. Like, that is not a, a situation to, to go into. And so I think they have, a, a, they have to play Bilbao still. They have to play uh, Barcelona still. I think Barcelona, and, is there still an El Clasico, right? Still yeah, there is. Well, yeah. next weekend. Yeah, so there's, there's plenty of games where they are going to take something back, whether it's a, both teams draw or one of them lose in the El Clasico. Like, they are going to get help for that. But the, it's been in, like, the fact that, the mere fact that we're, put, we're having this conversation where we're playing the, the math game of how Atletico Madrid can win the league is a very disturbing thought when you think about they were I think they were at one point double digits ahead or at least like eight points with a game in hand ahead type of thing and and now here they are potentially dropping all of that and no discredit to to Sevilla very good team that I think will finish fourth in the league this year um and and play in Champions League again next year I I just think that the fact that we're talking about well they have to play each other so they'll lose points and then maybe you know uh Atletico has to play Barcelona May 9th and then maybe they'll get the points there but like imagine if that reverses imagine if Barcelona wins against Real Madrid and then they play and Barcelona beats them like it's over and that's I don't know it's kind of sad sad it's it's sad to me anyway well, <laughs> I don't think it's out of your Barcelona fan. You are absolutely so happy because so many things are going on with your club. And now that you have Laporta as your president and, you know, uh, just, you know, even though you're out of the Champions League, the focus is a little bit more uh, on, on everything domestic. And it was amazing. You know, it's, it's amazing how things are turning around because I, this didn't, you know, Barcelona were at some point like, you know, I don't know, 10th. And it was like, I don't know, December or something. It was, it's ridiculous. So, I Liga, as I said. All right, listen, everybody. We said there's so much more, so we're going to keep on going here. Very quickly, Heath Pierce, Bundesliga. Bayern did their thing against RB Leipzig. one nothing. that's good. But the real result, I think, in the other side is uh, Eintracht Frankfurt, by the way, in the last moments of that game, beating Borussia Dortmund. Um, you know, Silva, once again, doing his thing. They stay fourth, so that's amazing. Dortmund are out of the Champions League spot right now. And with all the Erling Haaland conversations, you know, them thinking that they're going to keep him and hope or whatever. I I'm telling you something. If, you know, you got Man City in the Champions League right now, quarterfinals, but if you don't get a Champions League spot this season, you can forget about it. Absolutely. Because reportedly, actually, any clause or whatever goes out the window if you don't make a Champions League. Yeah, here's, the, here's a, a few things about that, right? If you look at Dortmund's record, the, the teams in the top four right now 
have four or fewer losses. Dortmund, who are sitting, I think, fifth or sixth right now, uh, some points behind, have 10. They've lost 10 times this season. Dortmund, who are in the quarterfinals of the Champions League, have lost 10 times in the league with one of the top five players in the world. And Jaden Sancho, when he's in form, is a, is a, is a top, top, you know, A-plus player also, world-class yeah. player. Like, that to me is wild. And, and it's a little bit worrisome. And then when you think about the fact that like, you know, uh, Pep Guardiola playing the games already of like, oh yeah, you know, it's tough economy and blah, blah, blah. We don't have any money and whatever. Like, well, I'll tell you who's going to come up with money. Every club's going to come up with money if they know that Dortmund doesn't make Champions League and Dortmund are not going to play Champions League next year. Therefore, they don't have the revenue coming in. Therefore, they're going to have to take this asset that is uh, Holland that now becomes sort of a distressed asset, like a non-Champions League team, no one's going to pay $200 million for them, and are Dortmund not going to try to cash in on whatever they can take at that time? I would think that they do. I would. I'm not saying, like, remember the Donnarumma drama of, like, Champions League? If they don't, they got to sell, like, he's $100 million if the team makes Champions League, $50 million they can sell him for, and then they didn't make Champions League for a couple of years, and they just held on to, to Donnarumma. They could have cashed in um, a long time ago. Not, not to say that they should have, but in this context, like, He's peaking market value right now. And if they make Champions League, he peaks market value. They could, they could quote unquote, keep him because they've got something to show for it, right? Champions League. If they don't, they're, they're just uh, a, a team in the league, maybe playing Europa League with a guy who's, who's got a diminishing value because he's not bringing them in any revenue through Europe. And who, by the way, is not going to want to stick around if oh, there's yeah. the Champions League or whatever. So, you know, it, it may even make more sense for them to just say, look, well, you know, they, the price is they don't want to let him go for anything less than 150 million euros. Listen, like, I'm telling you, like, you just do the business now because things will get even trickier after next season as well. Um, you know, it's just going to be, it's going to be quite a summer is all I have to say. Um, so that was the Bundesliga. Serie A, any more parties for Weston McKenney here? Uh, am I invited to one of them, Heath? Uh, what, what's going on? Do we know? I you Americans, know. man, do you, you never follow rules, do you? Ever? No. Hey, listen. Uh, th first of all, the Brazilians are the notorious partiers in Italy. He yeah, hosted the party, did he not? Yeah. <laughs> who else? Who else did he have over? I think I Arthur was, was there. Paulo Ivala yeah. was there. Yeah, yeah. I would think it was around ten guests, which is yeah. like, okay, it's not crazy, but come on, man. <laughs> like you know what's you know what's going like yeah, yeah this you're also new at this team right you you want to be part of the I, I don't know I don't want to completely blame him obviously but come on man <laughs> there right? is a certain level of I mean for a Dybala especially like whatever Arthur whatever like I, I won't speak about them but for Weston McKinney he's realized right what his life is like now at Juventus the man left his house and got robbed you are under a spotlight. People know the moment you wake up in the morning, the moment you go to sleep, you are being watched. You are being held to an unrealistic, uh, unfair standard. And that is the price you pay uh, for being a, a, a world-class athlete, right? Um, for, for better or for worse. And, and also, it, look, I know a lot of people are going crazy, right? Like he's been away from families. He's alone. You're going through all these things. You just want to have a little bit of a, a, a letdown uh, social moment where you can breathe. Um, but again, when, when you play at a club like that, there's, there's that much responsibility that goes into it and rules are rules and it, it sucks. Like it sucks for us, but especially when you see the fact that he's their highest scoring midfielder this year and didn't play and then they drew, right? Did they draw? Yeah, they did. 2-0 against Torino. Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, listen, it's been rough for everybody. Okay. You're allowed to make mistakes. I'm just kidding around a little bit, but I just think that 
you know, you, you are a well-known star. Maybe you should just not. <laughs> I mean, it's not just him. Dybala was there, Arthur was there, whatever. Well, he learned his lesson. He's back in training. Just right, be, like the, be like the rest of the, the Italian guys, you know, sit in your, your garden, roll up your shorts a little bit, catch some sun on your legs, drink your cappuccino, smoke your cigarette, and just Does he have enough there. money? Like, Ronaldo, can he buy, like, a yacht or something and just chill? Like, in the, yeah. can you do that? I'm sure he has enough money for that, right? Uh, yeah, plenty. So, lesson learned for him. Somebody that doesn't learn his lesson, and this is what we are ending it, everybody, uh, is, uh, well, PSG losing to Lille is big. Huge. Uh, Lille stay top of the table. PSG second, but this was Neymar's return after injury and it did not go well. First of all, he didn't have a good game. He was already getting altercations. Then he gets a red late. Uh, if you watch this, he loses control of the ball. Thiago Giallo, you know, from Leo is trying to get the ball. Like he bodies him a little bit, but you know, he's, he's trying to get the ball. He's being physical. Neymar gets angry, like pushes him, whatever. He gets a red. They're both like whatever gets sent off. But then there's like footage of them in the tunnel and Neymar's just going at him. Like, I want to like you so badly, Neymar. I still have all the nostalgia of Santos. Like, I think you are definitely an inspiration to a lot of Brazilians. And you have skills. It's just God's given talent. But the continuous tantrums, it's just... Come on, man. Come on. I know the game wasn't going your way, but just ridiculous. What are your thoughts? Yeah. You know, and, and just to clarify, that was obviously his, his return to the starting lineup uh, right. since, since injury, right? Um, but he, if you saw the game, he had a number of chances to put the stamp on it when it was 0 0, when it was 0 1. He had more than enough clear cut chances. He skied all of his free kicks. He had a few looks on goal that were very close range that you would expect the Neymar in form to finish. And that frustration was mounting, right? This wasn't just any other game either. This is the first and second place team. The second place being, being PSG, I believe in this guy, whatever they were, they were tied on points, I think. Um, and so there's huge implications and, and that frustration came in when I, when I saw the replay, yeah, the first, the first one, uh, the first yellow that he had. Okay. I get it. The second one, He's pushing the guy, breaking, like kind of pushing the guy to get the ball. And there was like a scrap and whatever, um, where it's one of those things in the heated moment. You think that person's trying to delay the game and hold on to the ball. You want it back. It's kind of like when ball, like ball boys or ball girls get kind of like pushed out of the way and you snatch the ball back from them type of thing where it's heated moment could go either way. But you're getting, you're putting the ref, you're putting the ref in control, uh, which is not a good situation. And then. The other guy, I didn't see him get hit in the face or anything, but he was holding his face or his head. I couldn't see the replays. Uh, they didn't show, at least from what I remember, an angle that showed him getting hit in the head. And so obviously I mean, he did sell it a little bit, but still, yeah. it's just it's just why are you putting yourself in that situation again, like in that moment? And by the way, shout out to Jonathan David, who got the winner uh, as well, by the way. But like, uh, again, it's just it's just too many things. It's 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 just it, it can be very frustrating because I'm again, I'm rooting for him. It's just like. I'm, I'm rooting for him too, but that's why I brought this up a couple weeks ago when we were chatting, which was like, it's not, it's not meant to be a hot take. Neymar is one of the best players in the world and one of the best players of all time in, in, in terms of skills. But when you look at the, the detriment he can bring to a team in a situation like that, you know, and then you add the thing that we talked about with Pulisic, six, six to eight weeks a year that you're going to lose him to injury and his lifestyle that, that, that he demands in terms of his, his nightlife and his freedom. Like, at what point does that round the curve and say this is more of a detriment than 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 what we've signed up for? The situation being they had an opportunity, a free kick in the in the 88th, 89th minute in the corner, and now you're you've lost that player. 
when you had a ton of momentum and that player was obviously frustrated. And then the meltdown, I didn't actually see the video of the meltdown. So you have to send me to that, send me that of like, the, Oh, the, the it's beautiful. Tunnel. Um, <laughs> and, and yeah, like it, it's, it's just, it, it reeks of privilege to be honest with you uh, in terms of like, I am Neymar. And that comes with that, right? Like the same way that Ronaldo threw his, his armband down. And like, these are the top players in the world and it comes with an expectation, but um, to continue it on in, in the tunnel where they're probably just pointing fingers at each other and saying, you did this, you did that. You're kind of like, man, when is that going? Like, when is it, when does it go from being like, Oh, competitor to like, okay, that's just immature. They need to grow up. It's not, they need to change. Yeah. It's going to be interesting when uh, the champions league returns, by the way, and see what kind of Neymar we get there. Um, but that's it, everybody. That's our Kego Lasso weekend recap. Woo, we had a blast here, Heath Piers. Any final thoughts before we say goodbye? Uh, yeah, in Italy, AC Milan, our dear AC Milan, have ha drew again over the weekend and are now eight points out of the title race and Inter Milan have a game in hand. Lukaku scored again this weekend, and so it's one worth paying attention to, but it seems that it's all but uh, in the hands of, of, um, of Inter Milan. And I want to say Atalanta, by the way, are back to being the top scoring team in the league again. So uh, that's uh, a lot of fun. If you, if you haven't watched them, just watch. Everybody scores in that team. They just score more than the other team and it makes it uh, pretty fun to watch, which is- yeah. uh, Absolutely, absolutely. And by the way, shout out Romelu Lukaku, just an amazing player, but just too much action. But anyway, uh, there's so much coming up for us as well. Obviously Champions League and then another weekend recap and the next one is after a classical so we'll see what happens there Heath Pierce thank you so much brother thanks for having me hey everybody I want to thank Heath Pierce for joining me today don't forget to follow us on Apple Podcasts please follow us and leave a five star rating and you can leave a question or a comment it really helps us to grow the show we're also on Stitcher Spotify YouTube you can watch this episode youtube.com forward slash Lasso, cbsports.com as well. We can't wait to hear from you and we will be back very, very soon because we'll have Fabrizio Romano and the Champions League quarterfinal stage returns. Have a great, great beginning to your week. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.